Hey guys, um, if you want to skip the off topic, jump ahead about 51 minutes and uh, the show should be just about ready to start. So, hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of WT Fada. I am Ron, and joining me as sometimes... It's Kayla Kennedy. Kayla, how yo, are yo, you? Yo, yo, what up, what up? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you? Pretty good. It's a little uh, what's a the little, story reunion. I know. I'm uh, a little peeved that uh, my welcome party is not here. I was all like, it's really been a day of missed expectations, man. I thought I was going to be on time. I was like here and ready and like had my stuff together. And the only thing I, I then I realized, oh, my laptop's got to get on my charger. It's going to be fucking 20 minutes to find the charger. God, so damn. I was like, I was, I was ready to come in and be like, on time, guys. Whoa, it's crazy. And everyone being like, great job, great job, great job. Nope, that didn't happen. And then I finally get logged on and no one's here to welcome me. They were here at seven, at seven. <laughs> and I was like, Kayla said she's coming. They're like, look, we don't have all night. And they fucking dipped. They gave yeah. it the 15 minute window and they were ass gays. Yeah, they were like, sorry. You know, this podcast is AIS. That means ass in seat podcast. Okay. Yeah. So. We're all about the acronyms here. For sure. For sure. Welcome for to sure. WT Fada, everybody. Uh, Kayla, uh, you told me earlier in the week that mm. I had to remind you about mm -hmm. a funny story, and I have been anticipating oh, it ever since. Yeah, so it wasn't one that happened to me. Is it, it was one that I read, and I just I chuckled for days, and I thought you would appreciate it. Mm -hmm. So let me pull it up. Sorry if you guys can hear me chewing, but I'm having a little bit of dinner while I'm talking with Kayla. Also, sorry if you can hear work being done in the background. They are finally doing the central AC. Mm. And uh, so they've been working on that. Actually, in the, the, infamous, the infamous Stephen Kennedy just left my house like not four minutes ago. Oh, hey, our longtime listener on What's the Story? Hopefully he makes the jump over here. WT Fod. I bet if I told him what I was doing, he would have waited until he could have been like, I want to be on the pod. <laughs> oh, happily, happily. So, all right, it has a story. Do I tell you the story as like he said, or do I just read it as the person wrote it? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm gonna weave it to your discretion. You're a writer. Oh, you don't know how to find all right. angle. All right, all right, all right. So, I'll tell you about this guy. So, this guy writes a post sixth form poet. I don't know if that's the original author of this story, but that is who I am seeing it from. Came up on my feed. I read it. I had a good laugh. I thought you might appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Like uh, your kind of humor. I hope you're early, you know? You know? Mm -hmm. All right. Here it goes. So this guy's, this guy's dad dies. Classic <laughs> Oh, man. That is fucking <laughs> classic. Oh, it's such a classic dad start to a funny story. Oh, that's the, that's just the start. Okay. <laughs> he's buried. <laughs> he's buried in a small village in Sussex. 
Um, he was really close to his dad, so he visited his grave a lot. Still does. Don't worry, it gets funnier. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> you can't get funnier than that. Right? <laughs> he always takes flowers. He always took flowers to the grave. And then his mom visited a lot. And she always took flowers to the grave. And his grandparents visited often when they were still alive. And they always took flowers to the grave. So his dad's grave frequently resembled a solid third place at the Chelsea Flower Show. Hmm. I know. Famous okay. flower show in Sussex, apparently. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Nice. But. Uh, he felt bad for the guy buried next to his dad because that guy never had any flowers. He died on Christmas Day, aged 37. No one left him flowers. And now there's this like pop-up florist in the grave next door. So what do you think this guy starts doing? I mean, he would have he starts to start buying flowers. flowers to the other grave, right? Yeah, of course. He started buying flowers for this deceased man he's never met. Um, hold on a sec. It's telling me I have, are you able to hear me? No, oh, yeah. It's telling me you can't, okay, we're good. Anyway, so he starts buying these flowers for this guy, this deceased man he's never met. He did this for quite some time, never mentioned to anyone, it was kind of this like little private joke with himself. He was making the world a better place one bunch of flowers at a time, you know? Sounds kind of weird, but he started to come to think of him as a friend. This guy starts to wonder, maybe there's some sort of like, hidden connection between them, right? Like that's secretly drawing him together. You know, maybe they went to the same school, played in the same football club or whatever. For us, you know, American folks, that football club is soccer. <laughs> and uh, so he Googles his name to find him. Finds him 10 seconds later. His wife didn't leave him flowers because he'd murdered her on Christmas day. Whoa. After he murdered his wife, he went over and murdered her parents. And after Whoa. that, he jumped in front of the only train going through Balcombe Tunnel that Christmas night. And that <laughs> was <laughs> that was why no one ever left him flowers. Mm -hmm. No one, except of course, this guy who left him flowers every couple of weeks, every couple of weeks for two and a half years. <laughs> so now he feels terrible right for the mm -hmm. wife and the parents now he's not going to leave them flowers every couple of weeks for two and a half years but he did feel like he owed them some sort of apology so he finds out where they're buried buys flowers drives over the cemetery as he's standing at their graves mumbling apologies a young woman appears behind him she wanted to know who he was and why he was leaving flowers for her aunt and grandparents awkward mm -hmm. he explains and she said, okay, that's weird, but quite sweet. He said, thanks. Yes, it is a bit weird. And oh God, he asked her out for a drink. She says yes. Two years later, she said yes again when he asked her to marry her because that is how he met his wife. I mean, holy shit. I feel like I really botched that story. Cause I'm like so thrown off by all the audio issues that were, we were just having right there, but no, I thought I, I giggled for days. I mean, I feel like the, 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 the odds of like, I mean, this is a, this is a fictional crafted story. No, no, this is real. I think it's real. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. 
Did you imagine meeting your wife that way? Like the origin story of like your relationship even is essentially kicked off by your uncle murdering your aunt and uh, that would be your grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. That's fucking crazy. And what are the odds that the day that he decides to like go and leave flowers at their grave is at the same exact time as when she's visiting and mm-hmm. that she's not creeped out enough by what he's doing to say no to a drink? Yeah, that was a, that's a bridge too far for me. I think actually in general, I kind of am surprised at women being like, yes, to anything, because there's just too many bad stories, you know? Um, I just think it's so funny. He's like, oh, this poor guy, this, right? Because that's kind of like, I feel like there's like the progression of this guy's like stories, like anything any one of us could have done, right? You're like, oh, I feel bad for this, for this guy very next to my dad, because like, we've got all these flowers and he, like nobody ever leaves this guy any flowers. I feel bad, I'm going to leave him some flowers for two and a half fucking years and then finds out, oh, the reason nobody left him any flowers is because he murdered them. Well, it's funny because it's like the only through line there is that the guy that's this story is about is a good person, you know? It's like he, he just genuinely is like, well, I'm grieving my dad and everything, but this poor guy. And then like finding out, like, I guess that maybe is the moral of the story. It's you do good things and good things happen, you know? It's like yeah, that so. progression was just, I'm going to try to be the nicest guy I can be until he married a woman. And God willing, some Christmas, he'll be able to murder her too. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, they'll live happily ever after. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah, so I got a good giggle. Yeah, no, it's we- it's a weird story. I I I don't know if I'm like, I don't know if I, I find it like humorous, but it's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, I think mm-hmm. I fell on the other side of that where I'm just like, what are the odds of all that shit happening? But that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So what's new yeah. with you? New with me? Uh, eh, eh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, I wanted to talk about, and I feel awkward now, because now it's just, you know, it's just us here. And I feel like it's almost like it take it on like a, another level of like inappropriateness. It was like, you know, all of us, it would be all right. But now it feels a little bit awkward. But have you heard the controversy about Batman this week? I have not. It's pretty hilarious. So Harley Quinn's show, uh, the higher ups at Warner Brothers made them censor a sex scene between Batman and Catwoman. And the thing that they had a problem with was that Batman was going down on her. And they were like, you can't have that happen. And they were like, why? And they were like, because that's not something that he's going to do. That is not something that heroes do. (laughs) Is what the executive said. (laughs) So now it's turned into this massive thing where like everybody is debating like Batman would totally give head, right? And like, 
it's been back and forth online and like they've had a couple of like backpedals from DC Comics where they had to be like, hold on, like that's just that one particular studio executive's, you know, interpretation, but like, no, that's not true. So like, it, they're actually like a major company is having to step out and being like this fictional character totally, totally gives it. It's a weird okay, okay, situation okay. to be in. Okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I really wish the rest of the guys were here to see my face. <laughs> and put in their opinions i'm really curious to hear their opinions i feel like just i the don't statement... want to turn this into a feminist rant but it feels like really worthy of a feminist rant like like oh sex scenes are fine like i'm sure blowjobs are fine but oh no 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 he can't go down on her that's not what heroes do heroes don't do that yeah i that's the statement that i find most compelling in that because i'm like what? let me tell you who is running hollywood you. again <laughs> let me tell you boys from a girl's perspective that is exactly what heroes do i agree with you i i tend to agree with you i mean i mean it's, it's your just, work for sure it, it's like everybody should be able to have a good time you know the idea that like the other thing is like it's a hard stretch to imagine that Catwoman would be at all interested in anybody that was like reserved in that way like oh no 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 I feel like Catwoman would be like oh hey bye you know I mean pretty sure Catwoman is all about the pussy that's what I'm saying I'm like <laughs> yeah she'd 100% 100% be like no sorry you know yeah. but it does present like other interesting like now we have to like now it, this, the subject has been breached by Warner Brothers themselves, and now I'm dying to know what the preferences are of all these characters. You know, <laughs> like is super. You know what? What about Superman? Huh? What about Lois? You know, they're doing missionary for sure. What about the Joker? If, if at all, we've we've actually talked extensively on the other pod about, <laughs> or maybe on this one. I'm not even sure what time it was, but we talked so pretty extensively words. about the the ability of of Superman to have sexual relations with any human on the planet. Yeah. And the dangers implicit with that, you know, you don't know. It's a total alien. Anything can happen. Um, but yeah, no, I just thought that that was like a hilarious news story. And I'm getting to, it's like, a, it's a height of, I think DC and, you know, the owners of those characters have a habit of like creating their own controversies. Like generally speaking, when people talk badly about DC or when they have something that they need to say that is a negative towards DC, it usually has to do with what the higher ups have done. So if that's forcing reshoots on Justice League and you know being stubborn about releasing the Snyder Cut or uh, I did hear having this embarrassing dialogue about you know. I did hear that they got like a new like a new person or whatever, like a new higher up who came in and was like, oh, of Warner Brothers who came in and was like, fire everybody from yeah, the there's, DC. There's a fire them huge, all. there's a huge shakeup happening. I don't know all the details there, but I know that like the Warner Brothers Discovery merger has kind of like created another new playing field and like 
that's what that's been the problem consistently since probably the Dark Knight trilogy is just every there's just constantly regime shifts. It's like there's this it's like a like a war torn country or something where it's just like every time you turn around, there's like a new coup and new people in control with their ideas of what they want to do and, you know, get rid of everybody else. Here's what I think. They should keep the casting director because they're phenomenal. They're doing a phenomenal fucking job. Keep the actors that they casted. Mm-hmm. Fucking throw everybody else out. Yeah. Bye. It's a it's a higher up problem. You know what I mean? It's not the performances. I don't necessarily think it's the writing either, because if the writing is given the chance to breathe, it works. Um I don't really feel like it's the directors, but like it's definitely those kind of studio executive positions that are coming in after somebody has finished making something good and being like, you need to take this out, that out, this out. The case in point, the Harley Quinn show, Batman going down on Catwoman. Like it had to be some studio executive walking in and being like, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Christian, we are a Christian network. Like, I don't. What, what is the problem? Just fucking let that, that happen. It's in the subtext. It's in the goddamn subtext. It's always there. It's always there. I mean, look, they, this is a, like, these are comic book stories, okay? These are comic book stories. So at the end of the day, how did they start, all right? They started with, uh, you know, fascistic fantasies about might being right, you know? Like, oh, yeah, like, the you, you know, World War II is happening and, you know, the Nazis are evil and everything and they're mighty right now. So, like, we want to create Superman and then he's mightier than them and he can go over and do the right thing. So it's like a fascistic kind of thing. And then as soon as you bring, like, if you look at when Wonder Woman's created and Wonder Woman is this, like, beautiful woman going around tying men up in bondage with her lasso. You know what I mean? And like all of these types of things, it's like it is all right under the surface that it's like kind of about it's really certain even years, under like, the surface, or is it like kind of all over the surface? In the yeah, I mean, and and like that pretty it thin, gets, thin no. surface. Yeah, and I mean, I think that like the further along you go, there's different eras where like things get more. Like the '90s was crazy with the amount of shit that they were just like boom 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 putting in front of your face and like i think that the idea that like your audience that like the audience that's watching the harley quinn show on hbo max is not the audience that watches like batman the brave and the bold you're you're not like getting you're not mixing your audiences or something and you're not going to like hurt anybody by doing what you're doing because Harley Quinn is an R-rated style show, you know? Mm-hmm. And everybody knows it. So it's like I don't I I just it's weird the, the types of moves that they make, you know. So John, what are your thoughts on this? That tracks, that tracks. Elf? Uh, Elf? This is over. Uh, okay, so how, um, you know, I'm pretty used to our format over at What's the Story. If you haven't heard the pod, you can listen from beginning to end. Binge listen, folks. What, what? Do it. Uh, WT Fod, I know you guys, like, you usually catch up a little bit, shoot the shit, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, what's next, Ron? What's the next step? Well, I mean, I want to bring up one other thing that, uh. Keeping issues? 
Yeah, I want to bring up one other thing that I feel like I uh I, I need to. Okay, so uh, there has been a UFO whistleblower that has said that this report that's coming out is watered down and that it's not as accurate as it probably should be given the verbiage of the law that was passed. So um, it seems like Wow. There's at least one dissenting voice that's saying this is a uh, this is a cover up of sorts. So whether or not we're going to get like full blown actual disclosure is kind of up in the air. But right now, there's more there's more crazy UFO nonsense happening on like a daily basis than I feel like there has been in many, many years. People are super curious. People want to know. And I do feel like it's a matter of time before we get something really solid. Um, So yeah, I mean, we all know that I'm crazy about the UFO thing, especially because it just feels like we're right on the edge of getting there, you know, right on the edge of being like, Yep, it's a thing. Um, so I don't know. I mean, have you been on when we've talked about UFOs and aliens and shit? I don't feel not like... not directly in the pod. You we've you brought up on what's the story a time or two, um, just more recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think? Like, do you think that this report, like, how how honest do you think the government is going to be? Like if they if they know for a fact that it's aliens, do you think that they would say that? No. Right. I do not necessarily trust the government to be honest with us ever. Mm-hmm. Um. However, I so I am not. I have not like read the reports you're talking about. I have not like kept up in the news about mm-hmm. the ongoing developments. I'm not. You know super well versed in like the most recent events of what you're talking about but in general I think like a majority of the people who talk about UFOs and have like these wild conspiracy theories and all this stuff are probably full of shit or misconstrued or whatever that being said you know a lot of wishing happening yeah yeah that being said there I do believe that the possibility for some of it to be real for some of these stories to be legit and authentic um likely I uh the the idea that we are the only ones in our universe is incredibly and statistically slim yeah it doesn't make any sense the fact the fact that we haven't found life in at this level or even like animal level is I think an anomaly and I think it's just because we're not able to see very far into the universe I think it's because we can only see so far we can see kind of our galaxy we can kind of see neighboring galaxies but we can't you know go too much beyond that so 
it's probably just too far for us because our technology hasn't made it that far. Well, that's where like that shit gets fucking crazy to me is because we talk about what we see when we look out into space. That's the observable universe, which is essentially the light from stars that has actually had the time to travel to us. Right. So, and then again, so yeah, we're also looking at the past, right? So like what we're right. seeing has, is long ago happened. So we're also right. not seeing current events. So like if another, let's say a similar planet to earth with similar technology, you know, just for the sake of conversation of argument here, right. Were to look at us, they wouldn't see, they wouldn't even see buildings. They'd see dinosaurs and shit. They wouldn't probably, see, you know. see dinosaurs and shit. So they, yeah. they wouldn't think, oh, there's not, there's just the beginnings of intelligent life, or there really isn't that much because you know because of the time it takes for for the light to get there. So I I I think the likelihood of it actually being out there is incredibly high. I think the likelihood of us finding it is a lot slimmer. Do you um, believe and- that we are visited at all? Do you believe that like there? is stuff happening because if you're not up on current events i'm gonna like mess with your head in a second i think i'd be naive to say no but i am very skeptical as to like what's actually reported or current stories like i think if anything has actually happened i we haven't actually heard about it right yeah um I just I think are, the likelihood of what we are hearing or like what the conspiracy theories are out there, I think the likelihood of those being true is not high. Whereas like there is something that I that we haven't heard, you know, like I just I don't know. But I don't I really I know I don't have enough data, I don't know mm-hmm. enough about it to really make a, a well informed decision, yes or no. It's just kind of yeah. I'm 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 it's a more skeptical person because I'm a behavior analyst. I'm a more skeptical person in general, so right. I require a little more evidence and, and data and yeah. see with well, your own like, eyes, kind than the next person. So yeah, we're in a we're in an interesting time where, like, I personally have never seen anything. I've seen things that I've been like, oh, I wonder if that was something, and then I've talked myself out of it. Yeah. Um, I've and seen that's things, usually... but I could always rationalize, easily rationalize as something right. else. So this, we're in an age where like the actual, the witnesses are getting more compelling because it used to be crazy Bob down the street that lives in that shack said that he was abducted by aliens and they took him to Saturn, you know? And now like the last 20 years or so, there's been more police officers that have come forward and been like, saw something. I don't know what it is. Now, uh, this was on 60 Minutes not long ago. This is a Navy pilot, I think. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this had me excited. Former Navy pilot Lieutenant Ryan Graves calls whatever is out there a security risk. He told us his F-18 squadron began seeing UAPs hovering over restricted airspace southeast of Virginia Beach in 2014 when they updated their jet's radar, making it possible to zero in with infrared targeting cameras. 
So you're seeing it both with the radar and with the infrared, and that tells you that there is something out there. Pretty hard to spoof that. These photographs were taken in 2019 in the same area. The Pentagon confirms these are images of objects it can't identify. Lieutenant Graves told us pilots training off the Atlantic coast see things like that all the time. Every day. Every day for at least a couple of years. Um, wait, wait a minute, every day for a couple of years? Mm -hmm. you know, I don't see an exhaust plume. Including this one off the coast of Jacksonville, Florida in 2015, captured on a targeting camera by members of Graves' squadron. Look at that thing! It's rotating. Oh my gosh! They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. Look at that thing, dude! So yeah, that's from 60 minutes. So it's like starting to get very mainstream and you're starting to get yeah. people that it's like, I trust that a little bit more and if more of those people on those boats come forward and say like yeah like he's he's not bullshitting like then it's like that's yeah, as good I as a confirmation you know i i feel like i've got to know i've got an open mind about it for sure like mm -hmm. i don't i definitely think it's possible i just you know i don't know where i where i am on fence for now but you know i also one of my fears is that you know if it does come to light and, and awareness is brought about it like we aren't ready like, yeah, I'm ready. that's awesome. But like, have we learned nothing from movies, especially in like societal culture right now? Like people even breathe the wrong way and they're attacked viciously, canceled. Like we're just not as, as woke as we're all supposed to be. Like, I still feel like as a whole, we're not very open-minded and we're definitely running with governments who see everything as a security threat like they even said it there like this is a security threat like it's their immediate it's their first go-to and, and i understand the need to be cautious but like i just feel like we would fuck it up immediately any well, sort of like meeting like we would fuck it up real quick and then they yeah. would come in with their like more advanced technology and we'd be fucked because we don't know how to play nice we have to tread super lightly right now and we also have to think that these ob like look they're seeing something so whether that's aliens or russians or you know the chinese they just don't know what it crazy is yeah. thing. they have no fucking clue so it's like what we have to keep in mind is that they're seeing these things in restricted airspace every day for a couple of years and not once have they been attacked. If anything, when they try to approach them, they run. So it seems like these things are just casually observing us. And that could be a problem, but it also could mean that they don't have any interest in harming us. You know, it could be that just they're just collecting team. data. I, or... yeah, I was going to say, it's likely that it's like the same way that we go out and we have, you know, animal experts who sit in a safari and just watch lions to learn more about their species and orang you know jane goodall with the gorillas and like all that shit right there could be a lot of that going on it could be that maybe it's ancient it's not current maybe it's ancient technology right it was here before us and it went into hiding or as we well, developed more and more or like you know like it, there's just like a thousand and one different explanations so i yeah. and i think people are too quick to be like 
it's this, it's that. It's whatever, when it's like, we act, we, it's we okay to idea. say, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's yeah. okay to say, we actually have like no idea. My most exciting revelation was actually, I was talking to Alves and I don't know if it was on air or not, but it was the thought process of like, well, wait a second. So what what's one thing that we know about them 100%? They do not, do not, do not want to interact with us, right? It seems almost like they're going out of their way to avoid us, okay? And I can only think of one one type of story in which that is a trope and it's time travel. So I'm like, are these unidentified flying objects, are they time machines? And are they us coming back to observe how maybe things went wrong? You know, like maybe they're trying to fix the future. It's certainly an interesting theory. I just feel like we're making a lot of jumps there. Oh, 100 percent. I'm I'm I don't believe that. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. that you're like I'm just saying that like is? if I yeah, it's a cool thing to kind of like Yeah. To, and it's like based on the the only evidence there is that they're just avoiding us. And I'm like, yeah. huh, that's something that time travelers do. And I'm like, it's us. It's us in the future. It's a completely outlandish thought, but I believe it 100%. And I will fight to the death to prove my point. No, it's kidding. Uh, no, I just, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 it's entertaining. I know? mean, who's to say that what we're seeing is even there? Like, so our understanding of the way that matter works in our three dimensional world is just because technologically that's where our limitations lie right now, right? Like it, there is a lot of science to back up that there is fourth dimensions. There are, there are other dimensional qualities that we just don't currently possess the capability to observe and measure, right. you know? So how do we even know that what they're seeing is even uh, compatible with like our three-dimensional vision? Right? right, like how do we know it's not like an after effect or a, uh, not like a projection or like a, a lasting image or, you know what I mean? Like there's just like, yeah. there's so much because we think we only know what we know at this right. point, right? Like technology is only, I mean, it's improved so quickly in terms of human history from once it started, but like- Yeah, it's just right after Roswell. One of one of my favorite things um, to to remember to talk about that's like always really stuck with me is that science we don't yet understand is indiscernible from magic mm -hmm. and vice versa. Yeah. yeah. So I things mean, that seem alien or magical or supernatural to us are just because we don't yet have the technological or knowledgeable understanding of the way in which it works right now. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about um, like, you know, UFOs could be interdimensional objects and, you know, we've talked about there could be fourth or fifth dimensional objects and things like that. It's it like, could be two dimensional planes overlaying and that's why they can't detect it on things, right? Like, like a hologram or something. Right. 
Yeah, right. or even or so even like so you know if they have there's this theory is that like there are different like dimensional planes that are all like woven over mm -hmm. they exist on top of each other. Yeah. You know, like I would imagine like if and there's a lot, there's a lot of like actual like true science behind a lot of those theories that think like yeah, yeah, this, they think, you know, this is likely they think um, the big bang, they think the big bang might have been when the layers hit. Like, right. like a couple of layers might have actually hit and that caused a big bang here and it would have caused a big bang in that other layer too right just like that type of shit is fucking mind-blowing really right really right it's yeah it's really hard to think about conceptually for us in the way that our that our brains work but like we know that that like that that's kind of how things work right because and we know that those kinds of things exist because of time and the way we view time and, and space and matter and all that all this all this crazy shit the idea is that there are different layers or dimensional planes that exist either threaded ooh, sorry that exist either like threaded through one another or some say that they lay on top of each other like a cake or some say that they they are literally like exist like like not even layers they're on they're existing in the same space yeah like, so, a, like a knot or something yeah, so you can't tell me that there's not going to be some bleed through. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that all of those things are like, that's why I don't Whole stitches I, like when you make a sweater and there's like a like a fray in the stitch or like, yeah, that's how I envision like time and space is like if you were nodding it like you were sewing a sweater and there's knots and well, it's like the fates sprays uh... and the fates in ancient Greece are often they're they're the weavers, so they're they're often mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. so it's like kind of it we something that we might intuitively know. I think a lot of those things in mythology point to the idea that we kind of know what's going on. So it's like if you, it's like it's like in our DNA. You know, I was talking with somebody about um my sister's dog. Well, we are like the universe of... experiencing itself, right? All of right. every single atom within our body yeah. came from the same place, right? Yeah. Like if you, the Big Bang it had all matter, all atoms yeah. that existed. And so we, like our eyes viewing the world as the universe experiencing itself, mm -hmm. like it, it's hard, hard to wrap yeah. my brain around, but like. Well, my thing, like, I, I was talking with somebody a little while ago about my sister's dog. My sister's dog was one of the, the, the breed that you would use for, like, a sled dog, right? Was never trained to be a sled dog. And I was walking the thing in the wintertime in the snow, and I just said mush. I didn't even move the, the leash. I just said mush, and that fucking thing bolted on me. I almost ripped my arm out of its socket. And I'm like, so, that feels like that genetic memory or something, you know? Yeah. So that there's, so that's actually, so that's ABA. Mm -hmm. it's, that's classical conditioning, but we call it um, like, oh my God, I'm going to shoot myself in the, for not remembering these exact terms, but it's your. Put down the gun. <laughs> Stop it. It's your ancestral. Um, what the fuck is it? I learned all about this in adaptation of animal behavior. So that's so that's actually a behavior. It's so all behavior is learned behavior. 
Um, but when people hear that, they think, oh, you know, all behavior that is learned happens after birth and that, and that's not true. So there are some behaviors that are your ancestors learned, uh, which form themselves into certain genetic traits that are then passed on. And so, you know, the behaviors become animal or, you know, uh, not animal specific, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, animal specific species. Thank you. Species, species specific learned behaviors. And those come from an ans your ancestral history. So like that, that's actually part of, part of ABA. So it's the same reason that babies have instincts when you like, if you drop them and their arms go up or they have like uh, the bottle feeding motion. Um, yeah. <laughs> the if you know, if you press on their foot, they, they push away. That might be more of a yeah, Probably. but also all of that stuff that we see, like infant infants do, like they haven't even had time to learn behavior. Right? Those are all instinctual. It's it's right. the way that instincts work. So, I mean, I guess what we're saying is the same thing. Yeah, I mean, my thought process is that if you look at, you have to you have to either. All right, if you look at across all these different holy texts across all these different mythologies across all this different stuff it's the same story kind of like reskinned over and over and over again right oh, for sure so that makes me think that maybe there was something that is like a genetic memory you know a vestige that we we kind of understand more about the universe than we think we do so when you see things like the fates are weavers it's like that's because we instinctually understand that like reality is this like thing that's made up of hundreds of different, you know, threads. And, and like, we instinctually know that like, there is that quality to the nature of our universe. And that like, you know, the, you know, seeing UFOs, UAPs is what the military is calling them now because they're afraid of the UFO, you know, acronym but like the seeing uaps now and then going back and looking at how many different biblical texts uh you know religious texts rather uh had mentions of like chariots of fire and like this is in hinduism this is in christianity this is like it's all over the place in those texts the idea of these beings from above from beyond and it it, it does it feels like whatever whatever we could find out about these things feels like it won't be terribly surprising. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It'll be like, of mm -hmm. course, you know, because we all kind of know, you know? Yeah, my only, my only worry about that part is that is because we as humans developed it's what's different. So if you think about how we're different from other mammals and animals that preceded us mm -hmm. in development, like we developed a brain that with intellect, mm -hmm. right? And that has served us very advantageously to put us at the top of the food chain. And it is that intellect that allowed us to create tools and other things to help us survive. Mm -hmm. Okay. With that intellect came like reasoning and uh, interpersonal relationships and all of this other stuff that, that has helped us as humans thrive. Now, as a byproduct of that, we are aware of our existence 
And as a byproduct of that, we are aware of our own mortality. We are aware that some shit goes on and we did. We are no, no longer alive in the way that we were once before. And we have some sort of understanding of what that means because of our intellect in a way that other animals do not because they lack the same skill. Okay, Th that situation creates a deep desire through the natural selection process of survival to want to have something come after. Like, this is how I believe the idea of like religion in general and afterlife is created is basically a human need for us to believe it in order to not fucking freak out about the existence of our own mortality. And in before, you know, more advanced science and technology came along, we were really searching for ways and reasons to understand the things that were happening around us. So they created stories, they created gods, they created characters, they created creatures to explain the things that they could not yet explain, which is a byproduct of our intellect trying to reason, right? Like it's, a, it's like a natural thing for us to do, but as collectively, as the group becomes more knowledgeable, we're able to rule certain things out, understand things more. So like a lot of the gods, like the sun god and the moon god and the flower gods and the nature, like all mother nature and all this stuff was created because we didn't understand like we're on a planet earth that rotates around the sun and like so all of those things were created from our reason and intellect before we were able to understand more about it and i think that's how religion essentially is born is we had this like deep need to explain away our mortality one so that we didn't freak out i think it's i think it's a byproduct of natural selection yeah. Not that it's necessarily, I don't, not that it's inherent within us that like, oh, like I see what you're saying and it's really interesting mm. and I don't necessarily disagree, but like the scientist in me looks at it the opposite way that this was more so a reaction to our reason and intellect developing over time. And it yeah, was a necessary byproduct as opposed to something that we witnessed and passed on. Do you yeah. like, are you like, am I making yeah. sense? These are, these are the inevitable uh, human articulations of things that would, like, things that would naturally come to our minds, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that that to, is... To explain away, and I think in yeah. centuries time, religion in and of itself and like a belief in any sort of God might seem archaic centuries from now right Good. it's religion is a funny thing too because like we used to believe they used to believe in sacrifices and mother nature and, and all this stuff because they didn't understand how nature worked now we kind of understand how nature works and you see less of it say wait a minute i probably shouldn't have killed all those people to get the flowers to grow so i say it every now year we now we understand. i'll never learn we understand more of it. Religion is funny in a way that like, even as science tells us differently, we still like 
hold on to it in a really weird way, but it's, you see people really hanging on to religion in when, in where it talks about afterlife, not necessarily wherein it talks about the current goings on. And this is not true for every culture because there are other cultures that still currently believe in mother, son, and father Mm. moon and and all this stuff. But um, it's because our ancestors believed in it and passed it on and it's taught to us from a young age and we're taught to believe it and and science is is relatively new in the course of human history so um, i think religious fundamentalists are always kind of of the mind that like science is basically like a trick that either god's playing to test your faith in him or that the devil's playing to try to get you to you know become a sinner and then get cast down to hell like and, and the way in which natural selection works is whichever more of us say if you had to put like people in religion on one side and people in science and the other which is simply very 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 oversimplification of course, right yeah. but for the sake of argument whoever like has more babies or survives longer is what's going to get passed down so yeah centuries and centuries from now like one might exist and the other won't or you know so that's why super that's why fundamentalists are so against abortion because if they they're going to lose the race and then they will become the less dominant you see see how it all it's all uh, coming together we've cracked it we've cracked it i i'm telling you you this is the type of news that they won't tell you on the news okay <laughs> this is the stuff. another piece of news that we should talk about okay it, it, this is the last thing i'm going to say before we jump to commercial okay but i have to know do you think that whatever or whoever is flying these crafts that these you know pilots are seeing all over the place you know do you think that they would go down on catwoman you know i think that's what they've been waiting for all this time you heard it here Heroes are flying UFOs. <sighs> I have one question for you. Sure. Do you know the Muffin Man? I I I do. And he is a little bit handsy with me. We're on a tight schedule here, folks. So I'm going to ask the question, Kayla, what the fuck are we talking about? What the fuck are we talking about? We're talking about A Quiet Place Part 2. All right. So I want to preface this conversation with a little diatribe about A Quiet Place Part 1. Because I know that you and I have differing opinions about A Quiet Place Part 1. Ooh. Yeah. So I want to say that I rewatched A Quiet Place Part 1. And it was every bit as inconsistent as I remembered. I find it <laughs> super distracting um, the entire way through. And I find characters doing things that I find infuriating. Like that nail that gets pulled up on the stairs 
she steps on it, it's a perfectly reasonable thing to happen. But the rest of the movie, I know you can't hammer it out because that creates noise, but you would think that you could put like a cone around it or something so that every other person that's going up and down that stairs 150 times the rest of the film doesn't step on it and do the exact same fucking thing that she did. So like there's that type of stuff. Then there's questions that I have about they have electricity. And if you have electricity and presumably the power grid's gone because of all of this craziness that's happened, like you would think that you would need a generator and generators create a stupid amount of noise. So it's like things like that. And then they have world building things that are like they pour sand to create like a softened path for them to walk on and they don't wear shoes. It's a great idea. They have dinner on leaves so that they don't have plates. They don't clink anything. That's great. In the background, mason jars with all of their food in it. And I'm like, can we do like a plastic container that might be a little bit quieter if it fell or something? Like it's just these little things that are like constantly in that movie that drive me crazy. So my question is, would a plastic container be able to make food last as long? Doubtful. There's a reason that people use mason jars to can food. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the preservative qualities, mm -hmm. different stuff like that. I agree about the nail. I don't remember them having electricity. I also didn't rewatch the first one. Um, so my, my memory of it is just from when I saw it in 2018. Um, and we both know my memory is not the greatest, mm -hmm. um, but none of those things bothered me watching it, if I had noticed them at all. And I feel like, yeah, they're still trying to manage. And I think the idea of all of the humans being able to perfectly reason all of that shit out and survive, like, is kind of slim. Like we're all going to be like, oh shit, probably should have done that. Like, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. The other one that was upsetting to me in that first movie is the brother falls into the silo. He's sinking. The door falls down. The sister jumps in to pull him up. She starts sinking. He reaches down. He pulls her up. They're both safe. Monster thing comes in. They jump off of the door and hide underneath of it to stop the monster from getting at them. And I understand that they're like a little bit flat, but I feel like the brother was mostly flat when he first got in there. I feel like she was mostly flat when she first got in there and they got pulled under. But in this instance, when they have a door on them that weighs a bunch, they don't get pulled under. It's like weird there's just little things like that all throughout the first one that it did distract me. It was, I mm -hmm. couldn't stop seeing it. And it's mostly in the second half where it starts to get like really muddy for me. But this episode isn't about Quiet Place Part One. I just wanted to talk about my feelings about that one so that it's properly contrasted by how much I enjoyed A Quiet Place Part Two. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Okay, so yes. let's preface this with, for those who are not aware, uh, A Quiet Place Part Two is a 2021, came out just this year, just very recently, still in theaters, uh, American horror film, and the sequel to the 2018 film, A Quiet Place, which is what Ron was just talking about, both of which follow a family that's forced to navigate and survive in a post-apocalyptic 
survive in a post-apocalyptic world inhabited by blind aliens with an acute sense of hearing. The second installment of the Quiet Place series was written, produced, and directed by John Krasinski under the studio Paramount Pictures, starring Emily Blunt, Millicent Simmons, and Noah Jupe? 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 Something like that. His name, yeah. yeah. Um, they reprised their roles from the first film, which, oh, we're going to get into this in a little bit, but the wonderful addition of Killian Murphy, like, mwah. Yeah, he's and, a great face in a post-apocalypse, 100%. 28 days later, this, awesome. And um, how do you pronounce his name? Digimon? Digimon? Uh, I always say Digimon Hanzu, and I don't know if that's right. Sound, sounds good to me. I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't know how to pronounce your name, sir, because you were also wonderful. Um, so they joined the cast. Cask. Oh, my gosh. Words today, Ron. Cask. It's a cask system. So they're on the bottom rung. And then, like, the directors and producers are above them. Mm-hmm. It's fine. So one thing I will say is I was a little bummed because I was like, uh, you know, so spoiler, but if you're watching Quiet Place Part 2, you probably know what happened at the end of Quiet Place Part 1. So John Krasinski's character dies at the end of the first one, saving his family from the monsters or whatever, right? So and I'm like, ah, oh, this is going to be a sequel. I'm going to have no John Krasinski. And... I'm a huge John Krasinski fan, but I saw like him a little bit in the trailers and I was slightly nervous that they were going to find some like random reason for him to have come back from the dead. And I was like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. As much as I love him and as much as I really wanted to see him in the movie because I, I really like him a lot. I was like, that would not serve the film at all, but they don't. So they actually have the best of both worlds. They do a couple flashbacks in the beginning of the movie. And it's not long. It doesn't take up a whole lot of the movie. It's just like a little bit. And so you get like a little dash of Krasinski in there and in your little bit of flashback and in the way that serves the storytelling overall. And I thought that was a fantastic move. Yeah, great scene too. Uh, a Quiet Place, the first one, is uh, it picks up in media res, which... For those less learned listeners, that's uh, that means in the middle of stuff. Uh, it's a Shakespearean <laughs> term. So uh, basically, basically, like the first movie starts like a year and a couple months, year and a half into all of this, and we never get to see how it starts. So it's just kind of fun to go back to day one and see it. And actually, was that the first time? I have two things that we need to talk about. So one of them actually pertains to the first A Quiet Place. But uh, that moment, day one, is that the first time that they ever explicitly say that these are aliens? Because in the first one, I don't remember it like necessarily coming up, but it, it, it felt like they were kind of aliens. This one, it's like you see them fall out of the sky. Like they are aliens. Yeah. I don't know that they even ever say aliens like they don't use the word no I think it's just it happened so quick they show like that it happened so quickly so unexpectedly people had no idea what was going on Mm -hmm. so everything just broke down too quick for it to even be labeled or you know Mm -hmm. as a thought but in the context of I'm assuming when you ran down the story you read a plot synopsis 
a few minutes ago? Uh, yeah, or is that something? Wikipedia. Okay, so Wikipedia says they're aliens, right? Yes. But in the first movie, they never brought that up, right? I'm not sure. Yeah, you're really not sure like what's going on. You're like, is it some sort of creature that developed? Right. I feel like I feel like they might because they show like newspaper articles and stuff and like their little bunker as because mm. he's like doing research there about could have been hints. them. Yeah, yeah, I think. Okay. Let's. Yeah. I can do a quick a quick Google. Um, the other thing I want to talk about in regards to the first one because you brought it up, but that. John Krasinski's death in the first movie, I feel like they they had a couple things happen in it so that that story arc would have the ending that it has. And I felt the writer's hands in it. I felt like it was weird that that girl had never, she had had the, like the pain from being near the aliens with her implant. Uh, she had never turned it off the rest of the movie, right? But now she turns it off just in time for this thing to attack, right? And that creates the situation where John Krasinski has to distract it to save his kids, right? And then as soon as he's dead, she turns it back on. And I was like, I can feel the writers tinkering to like make this happen. So mm -hmm. it's like, it, that's the stuff that I went into A Quiet Place to hoping that I wasn't going to see as much. And I definitely didn't. I didn't feel the writers in this one as much, mm -hmm. which is nice. And I think, was this one written? Uh, by John Krasinski. This is just written by John Krasinski, right? I think so. We can check, check that real quick. Um, because I think the first one was written by Krasinski. Yeah. Uh, the screenplay for the first one is by John Krasinski, Scott Beck, and Brian Woods. So I think there were too many chefs in the kitchen. I think when you go, mm -hmm. when you say John Krasinski wrote the second one, I think he was able to kind of check for those things a little bit better than uh, he could with the help, I guess I would call it. Yeah. Also, too, it, it's, it's their first you know, his first go at it, right? Like, it was his debut novel. And you're yeah. always going to be a little more nuanced, a little more experienced with, with your second go at it. And then, honestly, I feel I, like your first time at bat, like, I feel like you know. Oh, it's that great. Part. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fine, it's a fine movie. I just always watch it feeling like I want to like it more. And mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's a testament to how good Krasinski is that you take away two people that helped him make the first one and he produces something better. You know, yeah. I actually think that those other guys probably should have fucked off with the first one. They just sort of let John Krasinski do it alone. But that's my opinion. Sorry to Brian Woods and who is it? Uh, who is it? Uh, Scott Beck? Scott Beck. Yeah, Scott Beck. I mean, we also don't know what that writing room looked like. So it could have been that he really needed the training wheels. You know, and I then know. now he had a little more wind under his sails and felt that he could do it on his own or, you know, yeah. vice versa. It could have been their ideas that weren't great and his were the ones that didn't. You know, we don't know what that writing room looks like, but yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to feel the same as you. Yeah. Um, let's see. What is happening here? Um, 
The quiet place monsters are aliens confirmed in part two. They don't really ever seem to confirm it in part one. Um, a few, okay, da, da, da. Uh, a few clues to the monsters were hinted at in the first film, but A Quiet Place 2 gives much more information on what they are and how they arrived. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. It talks about their appearance, but doesn't exactly uh, indicate what species or type of creation they fall under. Again, like also too, like for A Quiet Place 1, they don't really show the monster often. Not too much, yeah. Not too much, Not in like the they're really, they really kind of leave it to the imagination for a little while, which I think is to its credit. Um, the idea, okay, A Quiet Place 2 confirms early on in scene one that the monsters are in fact aliens and are later referred to as such. The idea is hinted at in A Quiet Place's newspaper clippings that Lee, played by Krasinski, has of meteors crashing down on Earth, but nothing hmm. specifically indicated that the meteor was the vehicle through which the monsters were transported. Yeah. So, so it shows to... newspaper clippings of a meteor shower okay. and he him doing research and connecting the dots and, and all that, but it never like explicitly shows that was do you happened. think that uh do you think that they got here by accident or do you think that they are actually on a mission to take over the world? Based off of the second one, it definitely seemed like they were on a mission. Yeah. Because right. they were like actively seeking out and hunting the humans and killing them viciously. And it doesn't seem like they're like eating them. It just seems like they're killing them. Yeah, there's no other either, point. Right? Either for sport or for takeover. It seems like they came here to Earth is ours now. Yeah, that they're like soldiers of an army or something. Yeah. That's what's fascinating to me about the places that you can go with this now is that it's like it, anything is possible. You know, I don't want them to jump the shark. I think that they have like a pretty nice ground level post-apocalypse thing and I don't want anybody going to space anytime soon. But it is interesting to try to piece together what is occurring, you know? Yeah. So um, I will, I do want to say also that like, um, I'm a, so one, I'm a huge John Krasinski fan, but I'm also an even bigger Emily Blunt fan. Like, mm -hmm. I am so happy to see her in, the, in these types of roles because I feel like she is such an underutilized actor. Um, she really is. Like, she is just fucking incredible in this really subtle and beautiful way. And then, dude, I have never not liked Killian Murphy and anything he's ever been in like he but I feel like he's one you don't hear or see about or think about too much like in mainstream but like man when he's on screen are you like whoa he's what really liquor good. of the gods are you drinking sir like like and I'm and I'm not talking about how good looking he is I mean he is fine I'll tell you that but like his acting, like, oh my God. Okay, so there's one scene in particular that I really wanted to point out that really in the theater had me going, holy shit, like the, this is amazing. And for me, if anything else went wrong in the movie, I would have forgiven it based off of this one scene. It's the scene where, so uh, the girl runs away 
Mm-hmm. Right. And she's not that she's running away from her family, but she's running to something. She thinks that she has answers that she can give and she's trying to save the world. Mm-hmm. And she, Emily Blunt is like, you know, like, that's my daughter. And then he's like, no, 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 Right. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then she's like, that's Lee's daughter. Mm-hmm. And like, clearly there was a connection between him and Lee that they had shown in the past, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, he ends up going after her. He kind of stays, they're in like, I think it's like the train station. They're in like the, the room at the train station. Yeah. And they're bent low and they have the windows behind them and they're like bent low in front of this desk and they're having this conversation. And he is trying to tell her like, you need to stop. We need to turn around. We need to go back. Like, it's not safe. Like you can't be out here alone. And she's like, slow to, Like, remember you have to slow down. You have to, enunciate. and you have to enunciate. She tells him and it like, just, First of all, she's an amazing actress and she's very subtle and natural. And I'm I'm the type of person that really appreciates, I'm the type of actor that appreciates the subtle acting, the like, this feels realistic. You don't feel like you're you're trying to act. It just feels natural. The way Killian Murphy's like, he's talking and he's, it's all like, you can sense the urgency. You can see it all in his body. And he is not putting it all through in his face. Like you can just sense that he is playing it so perfectly. And she's like, you need to enunciate me. He just goes, goes, like, you can see him, like, he like bends his head and he's like, like, you can see him trying to control his frustration and also be quiet, but also like express his urgent, like all of these different things happening. And I literally don't think I've ever seen anybody express so many particular emotions at once in such a perfect and explicit way like he got me real good with uh when she brought up his wife and he was like mm-hmm. don't, don't talk about yeah wife. don't talk about like that yeah. way that it's like quiet but you can see him like she's hit him in a sore spot that has not and so this him, is you know? this i think is the brilliance <clears throat> of this movie in this series is that they, he has to whisper, mm-hmm. even less than a whisper. He has to be quiet and he can't yell and he can't talk. So this, right? So this, I think, is an, an acting challenge for actors in that, like, how do you, in any other movie, he would have been yelling at her. Mm-hmm. But because of the given circumstances, he can't. Right. So it's like, how do you express all of that and they just do so like the given circumstances just creates this really beautiful challenge for the actors that I just so appreciated. And like, he's like, yeah, you don't talk about my life. And then, but that, and then like he, he bends his head down and he comes back up and it just shows his eyes, which are so blue and so full of like everything. He's and like he's on the verge of tears, but not. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. and she plays it well too, where she's like, she does this thing where she's she's being stubborn, but she's not being naive. And it, like this movie, I think what I love so much about it is that yes, it's an alien invasion post-apocalyptic horror film, but 
but it is more about the like family and the connections between people and it is more about humanity than anything else well number one that's how you do those stories because i feel like we we're we've grown tired of the spectacle like you want yeah. the actual human parts and number two we got to backtrack to killian murphy's eyes so he has he is the recipient of like a genetic lottery in which those eyes that are so blue can be both like they they are so strangely expressive and like in this movie they are full of life and goodness and everything but like you know actually i meant to talk about it in the off topic just bring it up i'm surprised i didn't because we did talk about the character but uh like batman begins is 16 this week it's been out for 16 years which is crazy but that's uh that is a situation like he plays killian murphy plays the scarecrow in that movie and those blue eyes are fucking terrifying when he's that character but he is able to do something where he can like slide it around the scale and you can see a lot of different personalities come through in those eyes um and i don't know exactly i i can't imagine that it's his eyeballs that are doing it it's probably the features around them but it does feel like they do a strange amount of heavy lifting i always appreciate his ability to like express himself with those you know like it's just uncanny like but yeah there was just just really something about that scene in particular that really had me like floored. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was great. Um, I liked, I'm of two minds about one thing. Okay, so here's, here's the, here's my comment. He says the kind of people that are surviving out there, you know, aren't the kind of people worth saving. That's like his opinion um early on and that is a it's been done to death in shows like the walking dead right mm -hmm. in comics like the walking dead but i think it initially came up i think the first person that i can come up with that really delved into that was cormac mccarthy with the road where it's like civilization has fallen it's every man for himself so cannibalism is a thing you know all manner of crimes all manner of like human rights violations are a thing because everybody's just trying to get by everybody's just trying to get to the next day and it doesn't matter who gets hurt in that process you know like people have fallen to like their lowest forms and i always find that super compelling and i honestly from the trailers for this i thought that we were pivoting away from the aliens i thought we were going to say okay like we understand that that's a thing but they're going to become more of a plot device like how the walking dead eventually uses zombies eventually the threat on the walking dead is not the zombies they're easy to handle they're quick to kill the threat is other people who are just as smart just as capable of strategizing that are out for your resources that are out for your people like that's where the tension is. I thought we were gonna do that, and I'm like a sucker for those stories. Um, mm -hmm. So I wish that we had seen more of it. 
I, I got, we had one great scene where I was like, okay, here it comes. Uh, which is like, it feels almost like a strange kind of cultish sort of vibe I got off of the people down by the boats. Those people who looked like they had leprosy of some kind. I was like, Something why do seriously they wrong. look so wrong? Eric had mentioned maybe it had something to do with because they lived on the docks with the sun, like. It could be that, it could be uh, some type of radiation sickness caused by these things that came out of the sky. Could mm -hmm. be some type of disease that we haven't fully seen yet that also came with the aliens. Like, yeah, my question was like, why did they immediately go to like rape? I mean, I, I, I mean, well, why? All right, we have to, we have to question that a little bit though too, right? Because what, what's the evidence of that? I, it seems I maybe have to like rewatch that scene, but they were like, all right, dude, like, and like one, she was less, she was more vulnerable, she's more e an easier target, right? But they're like, all right, we got him wrapped. And this thing and he's neutralized mm -hmm. and then they like I think they like take start taking they like take off her shirt like her outer they took shirt off, I think they took off her gear so they they stripped her of her items and then they were walking her down the dock but I, but I agree with you take, but why take her I agree with you that like that's my initial that's my initial instinct as well is that was what the hint was and yeah. i don't i don't know i look I, I there's a there's a strange problem occurring in fiction right and the strange problem is that there's a there's a dissonance between fiction and reality right so like the idea of women going and enjoying like a post-apocalyptic story and then it's like oh my god why like they they're watching a post-apocalyptic story and then something like that happens and it's like not it's not great I mean it's not great for anybody that that's what they're kind of hinting at on the screen but it it, it, it almost like it, it affects I think the enjoyment of it for women more now, mm -hmm. the other side of that argument, and I don't know what's right. This is a this is an interesting conversation to have, but it's like the other side of that is in the like end of days. I, I feel like it, it's all out there, you know. Like I feel like that when I was talking about Cormac McCarthy in the road, it's like cannibalism yeah i didn't mention it but like there is definitely you know those types of situations where it's like hinting towards the idea of rape and you know roaming bands of madmen that I are just think, completely me what it is i think for me what it is right that it's like okay if you were already if you were already somebody who was willing to rape and now all of these societal constructs that were in place before that prevented you from doing so are gone, you're more likely to that again. But it's yeah. like these people who are like, maybe probably not going to engage in it before, all of a sudden now in the apocalypse, it's like commonplace. Like, it's like, oh, well, we rape now. Like, it's, it, a, it's, it's just a cynical like, outlook. 
it's yeah, a very bleak and, outlook on humanity. And it was just, it was funny because we get in the car and I don't remember exactly what Eric said. He, he made some sort of joke where he was like, if we ever are in the apocalypse, like still not going to be my go-to. <laughs> like he like needed to yeah. make it very clear. Like and he, when he said it was way funnier, I don't remember his exact words. No, no, no. <laughs> like, 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 like the, the apocalypse comes and then he just turns into a rapist. He was but, like, like, if saying, I, like I would not. <laughs> I would not turn into a rapist if the apocalypse came. Yeah. 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 He didn't yeah. make it very clear. Like he was like, even if like I hadn't had sex in however at that point it's like what two years? At that's like something a year like and a half that. still. Yeah. yeah He's like, if I'd gone that long without it, like I think I'd manage. <laughs> it seems like there are other things to worry about. Like I'm not well, at only... the first sight of the first girl being like yes <laughs> yeah there she is well i mean it, it's it's an interesting it's a problem right because you have these stories about like like i got like i said i got cult vibes and a yeah. cult would have a charismatic leader and it's yeah. like all it takes is one guy to be like no this is what we're gonna do and yeah. like charismatically say like we have to repopulate the earth like these things came and they kill us so this is like a means to an end we want things to get back to normal this is what's going to happen and it's like if you, if you have like charlie manson saying that and his followers listening then they're going to be like you know what yeah because like that's the personality of that type of that type yeah. of figure so it, it it's kind of it's a it's a i think like not everybody in that group was probably of the same mindset. Not all of them were probably pure evil, but they are in a completely new environment and they're looking for somebody to kind of give them answers. So it's a system that is ripe for some type of corruption. And I think that that's for sure. what you see yeah. in those situations. I do know? think, so it's interesting to me that this is the scene that you wanted to see more of, because for me, this was the scene that I could have lived without um however i did recognize that it was it was necessary for the overall theme right because because killian murphy's character spends time saying you know th there are people out there that aren't worth saving and then emily blunt's character like points to her daughter and she's like that's the kind of lee's daughter lee's children lee right. in general is the kind of person still worth saving and right. the daughter's actions throughout the film show us what it means to be a hero what it means to be human what it means to be worth saving like what humanity is all about and it's kind of hard to contrast that so you kind of needed to see you needed to see what Killian's side of the story was like you needed to see his side of the argument in order for it to like really play into this these questions so I understood that it was necessary for the storytelling but for me it was like the one scene that if I had to choose, I could have I could have done without. I want to clarify something. So my it's not the scene that I wanted more of, because arguably we all like arguably what we feel was going to happen is not something that I need to. Um, but the concept from what I saw from the trailers of it being like, being like where like now you're we've had something horrible happen and there are people that are trying to band together to do the right thing. And then there are people that are like, no, like it's the end of days. Like who gives a shit? Like it's all, it, you know, all bets are off. It's every man for himself now. And I think 
those types of I think it becomes like the battle between good and evil whereas I don't necessarily think is I don't think of the creatures from space as evil mm-hmm. necessarily so I think I always default want to see the battle between good and evil mm-hmm. and I think good and evil can only be like fully explored through beings that are the same yeah you know I just I mean? don't think I, I see what you're I see what you're saying yeah I just think that this story had less to do with that like good versus evil trope and more to do with survival and family right. and interpersonal relationships in, in that regard um right. which are but, which is it's funny because those are the ones that I lean towards more and you kind of lean towards the yeah so yeah. but the problem the problem that the the reason that I was queued up for the story that I was queued up for is because of the marketing. The, tr- yeah, yeah, the yeah. marketing very heavily emphasizes that line, which is a throwaway line in the film. It doesn't mean anything, you know. Yeah. Like it, it th- what it does in the film is it sets up Killian Murphy's cynicism, and his mm-hmm. feeling of like I'm giving up, you know, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, in the trailer, it seems like it sets up the major conflict. So I walked into the theater expecting it more um i'm fine that it's not there because again yeah those stories exist in spades for me like i i've seen plenty of them you know yeah that's fine kind of turning tail a little bit let's just talk about that moment where they are running and they're coming up to the building where killian murphy's home is and they don't know he's there yet and he steps on the the bear trap Oh man, was that good. And that was a that was a moment right in the beginning where I said, oh no, here come inconsistencies. But they actually did make good on the promise. Like he started screaming, and then all of a sudden it was like, there's a bunch of these fucking things just showed up. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't a get out of jail free card for you know causing a ruckus in that scene. And I appreciated that. Yeah. And there was there was a moment right where he looks at his mom and his mom looks at him and his sisters like, and they're all like and it's a moment goes, of silence <clears throat> because he's like still in shock yeah and he takes this gasp in and they all know he's going to scream and he knows he's going to scream and he tries so hard not to like that moment where are like oh shit. like yeah. and his mom's like i'm so and so then he just starts screaming bloody fucking murder and it's like it's it, a guy like he can't not right like it just I felt so much pain for him I almost started crying right there and then like yeah. it's like oh my god and then you see Emily Blunt's face and she's like putting her hand over his mouth she's like I'm so like you can she doesn't they don't need to say it they don't need dialogue here you can see it in their face being like I'm so sorry baby I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I know it hurts but like you need to shut the fuck up like yeah did and you, trying to juggle the baby at the same time and just like oh my god all of it there was a, a sh- uh, i don't want to well yeah no uh did you ever see uh the road like I, i've talked about it several times you've talked about it several times you we talked about the end of the book versus the okay. end of the movie and all right, and all right, that right. stuff but i have i have not seen it no. okay i think maybe i want to do next week's episode on the road because it kind of follows in the same path and it deals a little bit more with like it's that question that like we you know we we brought up here where it's like trying to project out human behavior in that circumstance and trying to fight like i have to fight my innate my my cynicism when it comes to 
humans because I really do. It's like, I don't think that it would be a very nice place if you took away all the structures. You know, I, I, I just don't think that we can self-regulate. I think that we need there to be some type of system to make sure that people are safe. And like, as soon as you take that away, I, I just imagine, I look at the animal kingdom and I look at the things that animals do to each other. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm pretty sure that's where we wind up. And in relatively short order, the road yeah. is an incredibly bleak story. It, the, the novel is very, very bleak. Um, and I think, I think also too, this is where those themes of family come in, right? Like what it, what it means to be family and what, what you'll do for family. Cause often I love the idea of taking like a good person and really testing them because like, what won't you do for your children? Right. Like yeah. you'll do some real bad shit, even if you are a good person to save your own children and, and like putting, you know, putting different people, putting them in like impossible situations like that. And I think it also speaks to Killian Murphy. Like he's lost his family. His family is gone, but he was very close to Lee and now Lee is gone and this is Lee's family. And so like, what does that mean for him as far as his behaviors and his choices? Because he was ready to stay in that hole and not speak or see another human being ever. Right. And he's like, yeah. and he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, but no. Yeah. And and then the longer that they're there, the more he's like feels these familial ties and that moment right in the beginning with their like first interaction together with Emmett and I cannot think of I'm I'm horrible because I do this all the time. Like I there's like a female character and like I don't catch her fucking name, Evelyn. Um so with Emmett and Evelyn uh when they're first meeting. Uh, after everything you know has gone crazy sideways and stuff like a year and a half later and she's like take off your mask and he's like no and he like has his head down and she's like look at me and he's like no I'm not you know and like yeah. that that whole hesitancy because he knows mm -hmm. once he looks at her then it's like it's going to change how he feels and he's trying to avoid it and uh and she knows that, that and yeah that was yeah. it was like it was it was for me it was all of those little moments and little choices and yeah. yeah it just yeah I I think this movie for sure is a testament to what great actors can do with good directing mm -hmm. and good material that's not you're not seeing a lot of that on the page I think no. a lot of a lot of that is found in the moment, but also like a testament to the fucking sound design. I feel like this these two movies were just like, you know what doesn't get enough credit in in movies and storytelling? Sound design. Like let's turn they, that around. They upped it this time too. Like the first movie's mm -hmm. fine. This movie is actually like making really compelling choices with how they're handling point of view perspective yeah. I, I got a real kick out of the sliding into the daughter's head and mm -hmm. then sliding out of it you know like that that was fascinating to watch especially in that opening scene um I thought that the idea that the aliens can't swim was kind of cool so like you mm -hmm. could have an island that was you know you were safe 
you know? Yeah, yeah. Because they were like, oh, wow. (laughs) Hawaii still exists and is untouched, so we still have a tropical paradise to explore. But then it showed the aliens jumping into the boat. They figured it out. They were like, oh, this boat will transport us. Cool. We'll get there. They literally did it by accident. Like, it was literally Killian Murphy and the daughter trying to get to the island so that they could save humanity actually creates the situation where the aliens wind up falling onto that boat and then it just is like oh i guess i'll hang out here and then it just drifts to the island i thought that was a great i thought that was that was an awesome thing i did see it coming but i was still it was satisfying to watch and having all hell break loose in that like quiet idyllic place was fun so I really, really, really had to pee at that point. Oh no! And so after that scene happens and they they climb back into the boat, I was like, okay, it's now or never. Like I was literally about to pee my pants. I've been holding on to it for so long, and I had kept waiting for a moment. There's always a moment in the movie that you can. It's safe to go to the bathroom real quick, nope. right? There was no safe moments in this movie. Nope. So the tension that that so we talked on what's the story about pacing? Yeah perfectly paced because there was a no point in the movie was there a place that I could fucking go be and that actually, was those and I came back and I was like how the fuck did they get on I, I think I saw them on the island and so it was it was the moment where the aliens do drift on that I missed and I came back and I was like how the fuck did they get on the air because they drifted and I was like, okay yeah I yeah. can I saw that yeah. coming so I could kind of picture what happened but they um yeah it was it was a great moment just Killian Murphy like down by the water just kind of mind his business and he can just hear like cook-clunk cook-clunk with the waves and he's like what the fuck is that and he starts like walking around and then you see Sea Star, that boat that they passed when they first came onto the docks and he's like shit and then he starts running back um yeah no I mean it, it, it's funny like I you know everybody knows that I love Lost and it had Lost vibes for me the idea of like this mm-hmm. little tiny perfect little town and then it getting overrun by a monster uh it was like it kind of made me feel like oh it's like nostalgic in a weird Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. um i want to ask you because i know probably coming up on a finish here on this one this is an extra short episode of wt fada but i feel like we we, we're professionals we covered this fucking thing um uh i want to ask you a quiet place Mm-hmm. ends and it feels like there's a lot of room for the story to kind of grow a quiet mm-hmm. place two ends and it almost feels like you could stop making the movies right you because- could yeah i felt like it was you could or you could keep going i was i feel like it was very middle ground like i would yeah. be probably be satisfied either way if they did a third one how do you think it play out what would you want to see I don't even know. I I think I don't want to envision anything so that I am not disappointed when it doesn't go in the direction that I imagine. Like me is what I'm rises. trying I to do. I should have kept my thoughts to myself. I just yeah. I made it. I made a perfect movie in my head, and then I saw a movie that I was like, no. Oh. I mean, how does it end, right? Like she 
is able to get the cochlear implant onto the airwaves and broadcasting blasts and broadcasts it, right? But the yeah. thing is, like, they talked about how, like, the valley that they were living in didn't get the broadcast. So, like, there are areas that it's not going to reach, and you're only broadcasting to where that particular place could broadcast. So, I think it would be about, like, yeah. how do you then get that solution on a global scale? Right. Yeah. And, and like, I think for one, you're now going to have to have the reunion because when it ends, they're all separated. Like the mom yeah, and the son are together. still back. The, the mom, son, and baby are still back there and her and her new pseudo dad, which I just think is like the cutest thing, um, are on this island. And, you know, like the, his goal is his his through line was to keep her safe and get his through line was to take her home. That's what he told Evelyn that she was going that he was going to do. Mm. He was like, "I will bring your daughter home." She's like, "Bring my daughter home." Like, I'm gonna bring your daughter home. He tries to in the beginning, and she's like, "I'm fucking going to this island, whether you like it or not." So his only option is to get her there safely, and so now his next option is to get her home. So. I'm thinking it's how did they get back? How did they reunite? How does she get back right. to her family? Yeah. Cause if you think about like at the end of the day, these stories are about family. So Yeah. They definitely are missing like we there has to be some additional hook, but I don't know what that would be. And I don't want it to be like a second wave of aliens because I like that's boring to me. Yeah. It's got to be something. I just don't know what. Yeah, they're going to have a, they're going to have to do a little bit of thinking about that third one if they do it. I mean, I feel like it's almost a guarantee. I feel like it's been very warmly received. I feel like people like trilogies. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like it's a very natural thing for them to start kicking around, but I feel like once they actually sit down to start talking about it, they're going to have a, a very difficult time finding like that forward progression that yeah, doesn't feel I, like a non-sequitur. I, I feel pretty confident that John Krasinski will not move forward unless he feels like they actually have something. I oh, yeah. feel confident that there, he he's kind of proven himself to be about the work rather than about the blockbuster. So yeah. I feel pretty confident in that the people involved in this project will not make a third one unless they feel that they have sufficient enough material to make a good third movie. You know what I was, uh, you know, it was like really distracting for me in the credits of both of these movies that I did not notice the first time out. Uh, produced by Michael Bay. Really? Like, what? It was like messing with my head. I was like, there's no world in which Michael Bay's name should be on something of this quality. Like <laughs> Ser seriously. Yeah. It uh very, very I wonder, strange to me. I wonder if he had like a very light hand, like some producers are more involved, some are less. He just put like the money is how I yeah. I have an IMDB page. For a Batman documentary, I literally gave money and did not put any, I did not have any input. That's not what that was. I just put right. money in. And I said, okay. And then after the movie came out, 
I did the producer thing and I took credit for all of it. Of course. This is all my idea. Mm -hmm. I front money. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, so I think a Quiet Place Part Two was very good. I, it's, a, it's an AMI book. It's fascinating to me that I have a lot of problems with that first one, a lot of problems that distract me from it. That one has a 90, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is like a cesspool. You shouldn't necessarily pay attention to it, but it is kind of a, a standard grade. Um, it's funny that the first one is a 96% and this one is a 91. And I feel mm. like this is the stronger movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm crazy or not. I feel like this I is an improvement. There are, there are just some people who prefer the first because of the novelty and then for they they naturally always score the sequel less. Yeah. For some yeah. people. Yeah, it's true. You have to go really out of your way to make something like super impressive for people to break that trend. Like yeah. The Godfather part 2. You know what I mean? Like that that level of like this is an all time classic, you know. But yeah. um this is I, I I do think it's better than the first one. I do. And yeah. I'm excited I to agree. see whatever Krasinski does next. Whatever he yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. But so yeah, next week let's talk about the road. If you haven't seen it, um, you know, I'm I hope that you're here next week because I would love for you to check that out. Um, and I'll send the invite to the guys so that they can, I'm, I'll try to coax them back on the show. As soon as they heard that you were for real going to be here, they were like, sorry, something came up and they just fucking dodged it. And I don't really, I don't know why, I don't know what you did to them. Um, but I'm assuming it's something that you did. So you're going to want to have to, you're going to want to think about that and try to come up with some way to apologize for whatever that thing is. All right. I don't need to apologize for shit. You know, it's not a dirty word. Like saying uh, saying the words "I'm sorry," being humble every once in a while isn't such a bad thing. Yeah, except when they expect me as a woman to say it for everything all the time for existing. Why do you always have to persist with these types of lines of thought? Like, why can't you just <laughs> admit that I'm right? <laughs> you just said it right there, and I would have to admit that you were right about something, and. Love fucking hell will freeze over first. I'm, I'm just not going to let that happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on this week's episode of WT Fada. This is this is this the this is the 95th episode. Wild. We're so close. Did you know that we're over 2,000 plays? And again, not all of those are mine. The other thousand are mine. Fuck. Well, I mean, at least we're entertaining <laughs> ourselves. So. I mean, I, I, it was, this is a milestone, though. I felt, uh, yeah, I pretty I'm excited when I'm I saw excited. it. We'll have to do, we'll have to do something special for the hundredth episode. Oh, I am planning. We actually have a message from someone Ooh. that I'm saving for that. It's pretty exciting. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll check in with you next week. Yeah. Bye, guys. Hey, guys, do you need a new bath mat or a shower curtain or maybe even a bedspread? 
And ideally, would you like those things to have our faces printed all over them? It's a rhetorical question. I know that the answer is yes. A resounding yes. Head over to ron-iii-art.redbubble.com so that you can start adorning your house with WT Fada merchandise today. <laughs>